podcast. And these are the stories of the heart of the community in the heartland. This series brings to life the oral histories of journalists in North and South Dakota, newspaper legends who devoted their lives to covering their rural communities. By now, a few have passed on, but all of their legacies endure, and their history is forever preserved in the newspapers they leave behind, as well as through these stories. These episodes are sponsored by the North Dakota Newspaper Association and the South Dakota Newspaper Association. Since the 1880s, both have advocated for the public's right to know and for the importance of newspapers in a democracy. Marilyn Hagerty was 85 years old when she became an overnight sensation. The longtime columnist for the Grand Forks Herald had gone about her usual routine in March 2012 when she filed a restaurant review for a new popular eatery in the city. The Olive Garden, she wrote, is the largest and most beautiful restaurant now operating in Grand Forks. Before that day, Hagerty had no idea what going viral meant. She's now gone down in newspaper history as the columnist who went viral after reviewing the Olive Garden. Her simple review quickly gained more than one million page views. Her email flooded with both snarky criticism and praise for her style, and celebrity food critics and national talk shows clamored for interviews. In August 2014, Hagerty sat down for an oral history to capture her memories of her sudden celebrity. This is her story. What is the proudest moment of your career? Well, the proudest moment of my career was when uh, I received the Al Newhart USA Today uh, Award for Excellence in Journalism, and it was on a plaque. You wouldn't believe the plaque. I should build a new house to go around it. But with all these famous journalists and then Marilyn who, but anyway, that was certainly the highlight of my whole career to receive that award because uh, actually I thought, well, what I do is just kind of lightweight and and uh, not too important, but um, Al Newhart, I said, Al, you can't do this. I, I just, you know, I can't believe this. And he said he thought that I typified people who have worked for medium-sized newspapers and have, uh, they play a distinct role in journalism is sort of what he told me when he decided that. I should receive that award. That was certainly the certainly the greatest thing that ever happened to me. What year did you get that award? Two twelve. Mm-hmm. Twenty twelve, yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. It was the year I went viral. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. What happened? Well, um, I was sitting at my computer one morning, a Thursday morning, I had bridge club at 12.30, and it was about 10.30, 11, and I had to finish my Friday column. 
So I was working away trying to put everything together and I got this message on my computer that said, uh, your column, pathetic. And I thought, hmm. So I sent back a note saying, thank you for your interest and went on. And Let's give a little background about what the column was about for the people in the future who will listen to this oral history and may not know. Oh, the column I was writing was my regular Friday column about events and coming up on the weekend in Grand Forks, about comments on people who have done something interesting, on what the best license plates I'd seen around town this week were, just stuff like that. And that's just one of my five columns, But so I don't know which one. The uh, person who sent that, I think, was talking about my Wednesday column, which was my EPEAT column. And so I got that, and then right on the heels of that, I got another one that said, was equally insulting. And I thought, what I usually do when I get insulting mail from people is I thank them and agree with them. You certainly have a good point there, and I certainly appreciate your interest. So I responded that way to the second one, and, uh, and then I kept working away. And then all of a sudden, the screen of my computer went crazy. It was full of mostly snide comments, and they were coming from all over the country. And I think they started in New York at the, uh, you know, uh, anyway, the Tattler or something. And they were in Denver. I think Denver, someplace in Denver, was one of the originating points. I don't really know because I don't really care. But they were all very, very snotty and very snide. And then all of a sudden, I start getting messages from people saying, don't you feel bad? I live in Mason City, Iowa, and we have an olive garden, and we like it. And then people from all over the country started sending nice messages and telling me not to feel bad. And uh, so anyway, I finished my column. I went to Bridge Club. And I sitting by one of my friends, I said, you know, something goofy is going on. I don't understand it, but my computer has gone just wild. And um, I got home that day about four o'clock and I had 20 phone calls and more than 200 emails in four hour period. And the phone calls were from Jay Leno and people like that all over the country, big wigs. It was unbelievable. And the emails were just, just coming just like crazy. Someone said that I had 1.3 million hits that night. They lost track. There was some equipment down here at the Herald. But anyway, I was trying to figure out what that meant. And the local TV station wanted me to go to the Olive Garden with them. And I said, sure. There are two gals. I met them over at the Olive Garden, and they wouldn't let us in. They said that you couldn't bring TV cameras into the Olive Garden. So I said, that's okay, I know the guy that runs the restaurant next door, and he's really nice, and he'll let us in. So we went over there to that 
next restaurant and they interviewed me there and the guy gave us popcorn and Cokes. So anyway, uh, then the Jay Leno people were back on the phone. They wanted me to come fly right out to Los Angeles. But I kind of didn't agree right then. But when they called back, they said, if I came, I'd have to promise not to be on any other shows. Mm -hmm. By then, the same thing was happening here at Herald. And poor Mary Jo, it was her first day as editor. And here she's got all this to think about, plus me going crazy, and all these people contacting the Herald. And uh, so the messages kept coming in, and I didn't quite know what to make of it all. In fact, I messaged my son, who works for the Wall Street Journal, and I said, uh, what does this mean? And he said, well, it means you're viral, and, and you're not sick, you're viral. And he was, he, he by then had figured it out, what was going on. And so the next days are just a blur in my mind. A car was there from Fargo to take me down to be on the, I think, CBS early morning show. Uh, television truck was in my driveway from Chicago, and that was to be on the Good Morning Show, and the, the guy that does the talking there in Chicago was with them, and they wanted me to have lunch with them at the Olive Garden, and by then, of course, we could all go into the Olive Garden. That was quite all right, and the people at the Olive Garden stood at attention, and, and then um, the... Um, evening show on Channel 12 was here. They had a crew here. And uh, at one time, there were three television trucks that week in my driveway, and my neighbors were just getting the biggest honk out of it. And I'm sitting there at my desk, and these people, they were all very considerate, but they were overrunning my house and changing pictures on the wall to do the interviews. And then... Um, the Herald made arrangements for me to go and be on the Anderson Cooper show because there were so many other things that that were waiting in New York. You know, they wanted me to visit the New York Times and visit the food department at the New York Times and visit the Wall Street Journal. And um, uh, I was at several different, like, national radio, public radio, and and then on the Anderson Cooper show, and then we had dinner at um, the finest restaurant in New York. That was the name of it. And um, we had, you know, dinners at the finest places, and um, just sort of did New York, just a whirlwind tour of New York, and that set off more people commenting about the Olive Garden and all this and that. And why would any old broad from North Dakota be writing about that? And, but most of all, it was people feeling in defense and people uh, praising me for the way I write the Eat Beat. Now, and I thought I wrote that Eat Beat column so fast one day that I never expected it to be repeated all over the country, but that's what happened. And then uh, 
I had a friend from Winnipeg who came down for the weekend. She had, that line had been planned. She came in my kitchen and I said, I don't know what's going on, but things have gone crazy. And she spent the whole weekend answering the telephone, answering the door, helping me get packed to go to New York. And so uh, it was just crazy wild and I didn't really know what was happening, but I didn't really care because, you know, that it was just a fun, very fun, unimaginable thing to be doing. So we went to New York. I met Ryan in Minneapolis, Ryan Babb. And he's a techie type, and he writes, and he uh, does photography. He does everything. He goes and gets coffee, and, you know, you just can't beat it. So anyway, Ryan and I were in this hotel in, in uh, New York and doing, keeping all these appointments. We had an interview with the Associated Press and, and uh, just a schedule of things all day long, but I didn't have to worry because Ryan was taking care of it. Then we went over to the Anderson Cooper show and that went very well. So well that Anderson invited me back a couple of times and um, it just was more than you can imagine. It just sort of boggles my mind, but it just happens. So what do you do? You go with the flow. For the future watchers of this oral history, explain what you wrote in that Olive Garden column. Well, um, as I remember it, I've seen it a couple, several times since, of course. Uh, I wrote that uh, the Olive Garden was rather new in Grand Forks. It had been here maybe two or three months. And I don't go to a restaurant the very first week or two that it's open because I don't think it's fair because they need time to shake down the wrinkles and get the help trained and and get things really flowing. So I waited that long purposely to, and we'd had news stories about it in the Herald, so I waited that long to go there and I just uh, wanted to sit and observe what I thought about the Olive Garden, I ordered a very simple meal late in the afternoon. I described the looks of the Olive Garden, which anyone any place in the country would probably know, but people in our area, we had not had an Olive Garden, although there was one in Fargo for years, and many people had been there, and people from here do travel. Uh, so I wrote about where I was seated, with, uh, right by the door to the kitchen, I suppose, four o'clock in the afternoon, that's where they would seat you. And, and I wrote about the looks of the restaurant. It's a Tuscan farmhouse decor. I thought it was very pleasant to be there, and I called it one of the most attractive restaurants in Grand Forks, which made people guffaw. But I still, I was there the other night, I still think it is very attractive and comfortable. And I wrote about the breadsticks, which uh, I like to eat over there. I quite often just order the salad and the soup. It's a combo that's very well known. As a matter of fact, I used to order that when we'd stop at the Olive Garden in Fargo. 
So um, I wrote about that. I wrote about the service, and I had a very nice waitress that afternoon, and she was, we chatted a bit, and I don't think she knew who I was or what I did. It didn't matter to me if people know who I am or what I do, because living here and doing this for 25, 30 years, uh, everybody who wants to know who I am does know, and they don't really know what I'm going to do, but they they know when I'm in a restaurant, and sometimes I'm writing about them, and sometimes I'm not. Um, I guess that's what I wrote about, uh, just a very ordinary Wednesday review. How do you feel about that being your legacy that many people are going to remember you for after this long career you have in journalism? This one moment is forever going to be tied with your name. What, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I never have known how I feel. I just have never been able to figure it out. I guess what will be will be. I would never have won the uh, USA Today Al Newharth Award unless that happened. I've had so much notoriety, some of, much of it negative, but also with it has come a lot of positive response that I never in my life expected to receive. I wanted to, I've always wanted to do well and to succeed. I've never figured I was a great national hero or anything like that. I just, I'm a person who is a newspaper woman and I want to be remembered as good at what I do. So this puts me in kind of a zany position. That's okay too. It, uh, I go with the flow. Whatever happens is whatever happens. I don't really worry about things. For the Dakota Journalist Podcast, I'm Terry Fenneman with sound editing by Savannah Wakefield. And these are the stories of the heart of the community in the heartland. Mm-hmm.